Rick is preaching from Luke 1, 57 through 66 this morning. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all the neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard him laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Good morning. Uh, That's a good verse. What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord is with him. Uh, Let's pray and then... um, We'll dig into what I believe God is wanting to say to each of us this morning. God, thank you for today. <clears throat> thank you for this opportunity that you've given to us to hear from you this morning, Father. I pray, God, that you would open our ears and uh, speak to us. I pray that you would um, convince us even in this moment that you have something to say to us, Father. God, I pray as, as your son prayed and as your son spoke many times, um, give us ears to hear. Uh, Lord, give us ears to hear. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen. Um, <clears throat> spent a lot of time early this week thinking about this passage, and I just couldn't find a sermon in it. Um, one, of the, one of the hard things to do uh, as a pastor is to like preach every week. Um, it helps when you're going through a series because you have a text that you're going to preach this text. But sometimes when you're preaching through a, a, a book, you come to a text you're like, what? What is, wh- what? And um, so there's this, in, in my brain, there's like, okay, I've got to figure out something to, to speak here. And then I think to myself, wait a second, you've got to figure out something to say here? Um, what about God. And so I just began, this, this is my process this week, thinking, trying to figure out what, like, wh- how is this a sermon? Um, and I do a cohort every week with uh, Summit Community Church, uh, their leadership and their pastors. We get together and talk about the pastors. They're preaching through the same stuff we are. Uh, and the first question I asked, as one of the things we do, is just ask questions of the text and ask questions of each other, like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? What direction are you thinking? And the first question I ask is, where is the sermon here? What, like, what, what does this say? Um, and did a lot of studying, a lot of cross-referencing, a lot of ch- looking at, at where other stuff would happen in, in the story of John the Baptist and his birth and the birth of Christ and all that stuff. A lot of cross-referencing, and I, and I realized that there are a lot of people in this, in this passage that are talking, a lot of people that are speaking, and there aren't many people in this passage that are listening. And in the passage, Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, is actually has been made mute. You remember we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Um, so he's not speaking, but he's doing a lot of listening. And everybody that's, that's 
kind of peripheral to the story, is talking and giving their opinion. Um, and I think after a lot of study and a lot of um, asking of, of the question and what the sermon is, I, I just stopped and I prayed that God would speak. And he did. And the response was this. I think that God wants us to hear. This is the product of, of a lot of consternation. I think the, the point of today, the point of this morning, the point of the sermon is, is God is speaking and he wants you to listen. Um, a lot of people talking, not a lot of people listening in the story. And I think that in our worlds, in our lives, that there's a lot of people talking and not a lot of people listening. Um, so I want to talk about, is God silent? Is God speaking? The answer is yes, God is speaking. And no, God is not silent. Um, because of what Jesus did on the cross, he's torn the veil that separates us from God, and we have complete access to God. And by complete access, I mean we have complete opportunity to hear him. Because God created this organism, very intentionally chosen word, because God created this organism called the church, a living, breathing thing with things that hurt and things that give life and things that kill and things that don't give life and all of that stuff. God created this organism called the church, and through the church, he speaks. Um, if you are a visitor here, if you're part of this church, God is speaking through this church. If, if you are just a visitor, God is speaking at the church that you call home. If what, whatever it is, God is speaking through his church. He created an organism called the church, and he speaks through it. Um, and then, most importantly, God has revealed his characters and his purposes through human authors of the scriptures and then persevered them thousands of years so you can hear him. The most reliable, faithful, 100%, never, never wrong, always accurate way that we can hear from God is through his scriptures. So I want to ask a few questions, and these are questions that will kind of guide our time this morning. First, does God speak? And the answer is yes, God does speak. Second, is God speaking to me? This, these, and these are questions that I get asked a lot from people inside the church and some people that are on the periphery of the church and some people that are outside the church. Does God speak? Is God speaking to me? And then I think this is a little bit more nuanced. How do I trust that it's God speaking to me? and not somebody's opinion of what they think God is saying to me, or not my opinion of what I think God is saying to me. How do I trust that it, what I'm hearing and what I'm labeling as God speaking is not just me or not just somebody else's wishes? Here's another question I hear a lot. Why have I never heard God speak? Um, God speaks to you, but why has he ever spoken to me? And I would contend that he probably has you probably aren't listening or aren't listening well. Um, and then the last one, the one I want to spend a lot of time with, is why is it hard for me to hear God speak? Why is it hard for me to hear God speak? Um, got several answers to that. Um, I think the biggest reason, not, maybe not the biggest reason, but a, a definite reason, uh, is that we're just not patient enough to sit and listen to him. Um, did anybody watch the NFL draft this week? It was on Thursday and Friday. Travis did. I imagine, John, you did a little bit. Um, 
So the I was really excited. I'm, I'm sort of a Cleveland Browns fan. Used to be a bigger Cleveland Browns fan back in the day, uh, and now they're terrible. Um, and so they've got the number one pick this week. So I, I turned on the TV right before it starts to start, and I'm listening to, to these these four pundits talk about the draft, and it's every one of them were like there's two guys in particular that are like draft guys like like this is their the biggest this is christmas day for them the biggest day of the year for them and um one of them can't wait for his turn to talk and one guy's talking and you can just see on his face he's like would you just please stop talking so that i can talk now and he's even like reaching out and tapping him on the shoulder and and like like okay that's enough from you. It's my turn to talk now. And I think, that, and have you ever been in that setting? Have you, ever, you ever known somebody who just can't wait for their turn to talk? And like, when your voice starts to trail and what you're saying, they start to get, like, you can just tell their excitement coming on their face because now it's my turn to talk. Um, I think that it's hard for, for us to hear God speak because um, we're too busy talking. Um, and when he is speaking, we're just really not listening to what he's got to say, but instead waiting for our turn to talk. Um, we're also distracted. Uh, there was a, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a, a conference for a bunch of pastors, and um, we were kind of like the first 30 minutes is just sort of networking time. We're just hanging out with people. And this happened to me a couple of times. I'm, I'm having a conversation with somebody. So imagine somebody fr- standing in front of me. We're talking. And this is what he keeps doing. Like, I'm actually speaking to him. And like, he's looking, oh, there's somebody over there that I would rather be talking to. Or, or there's somebody, oh, man, there's breakfast over there. I need to go. And like, it's just like, I wanted to just stop and say, like speak in a different language or, or say something ridiculous or drop an F-bomb or like say something like just completely crazy to see if he actually was, could, could hear a word that was coming out of my mouth. Um, I think we have a hard time hearing from God because we're, we're, just, we're just distracted by somebody else we'd rather go talk to. Or something we'd rather go get, like a more important pastor that's standing in that corner, or, or food over there. Like, you know, there's, there's something more important that we want to hear from, or there's something we want to get, so we're just not, not going to listen to God. Um, the, uh, one of the things that, that I experience the most for people having a hard time hearing from God is, is shame or condemnation. Um, I have a chair in my living room. Uh, that's become, it's called now the cream chair, and it's called the cream chair. Do you know why? Because it's cream. That's right. It's cream colored. It's very appropriately named. Um, so, I was having a conversation with somebody sitting in that cream chair, and this person had had several times where we'd gotten together and just talked about the gospel and talked about life and tried to apply the gospel to her situation, and she said, Man, it's just really good to sit back in this cream chair again because I feel like I hear the gospel when I'm sitting in this cream chair. But a week ago, I didn't want to come sit in this cream chair because I knew the sin that was present in my life. And I thought about that. 
How many times have we missed God wanting to say something to us, God wanting to speak truth to us because we have shame or condemnation? I think there's some truth to that for each of us. And as I'm, as I'm talking through these things, I want you to maybe think about, yeah, this one really applies to me. And then maybe stop and think and pray. God, would you give me patience to hear from you? God, would you free me from distraction to hear from you? God, would you take my shame away from me, my condemnation away from me so that I could hear from you? Um, this is another one. When I was a kid, uh, you guys have probably done this, and I know that my kids have done this. Uh, when you're doing something, but you hear mom call for you, and you know mom is when mom calls you, she's got something for you to do, and then you just like turn up the radio or put your earbuds in so you can have an excuse for why you didn't hear her because you know that she's got something for you to do. Um, I did that for a long time, and I'll tell another story about that a little bit later. Um, I don't want to listen to God because I'm afraid he's of... He's going to tell me to do something that I just don't want to do. Um, but probably the biggest reason that we don't hear from God or, or it's hard to hear from God is that we're, just, we're really just focused on ourselves. Um, we're really just focused on ourselves. Um, sometimes it's also harder because we have sin that's in our lives and um, we need to confess that sin uh, I just started mowing my grass last week, and uh, every year at the beginning of the season, I try, at the end of the season, I try to empty the gas so that dirt doesn't get in there, and so you can start it the next time, and I did that, and, and so this time I, I started, I, I, I go to start the lawnmower, and I, okay, I'm going to change the oil this time, so I changed the oil in my car. I'm very proud of myself, by the way, um, and if you knew me really well, you'd be really proud of me, too. Um, so... Change the oil and the gas, and, and I put fresh gas in, and I, I spray some, like, starter fluid into the gas tank and, and into the carburetor, and it's going to start right up. I feel real intimidated, Travis, that you're here talking about engines and stuff. Um, so I start the lawnmower, and it perfect. And then push it about three feet, and it dies. Um, go to pull it again, go to pull it again, go to pull it again, nothing. Spray some more of the stuff in there, bam, starts right up, but dies right away. And then, like, I, I get down there and look at it like I'm going to find something. <laughs> oh, this is turned off. There needs to be some big, like, on-off switch, right? Oh, it's off. I just flip it on. Let's start it up again. Um, and, like, I bought the lawnmower originally because it was, you know, there's this big promise. One pull, start every time. It's not the truth. So I called the, the place where I bought it from. My warranty had expired a couple of days ago. Um, so spray it again and then just walk away from it. And then somehow, miraculously, uh, somebody, Travis, you probably came over. Jen probably called you and sent me to the store and you came over and fixed it. Because I came back and it started just fine. It was perfect. And I uh, actually got it rolling and then I had Cooper finish the, the front part of the grass once it's rolling. And then I go to the backyard, and the, now the backyard is like really thick, high grass at this point. And so I can't get the lawnmower to get through it because it keeps dying. So what I, what I figured out was that I was spraying some flammable stuff into the carburetor, which was creating the spark, which was creating the, the, it to work, right? <laughs> Help me out here, I think. And then there was some sort of clog that was like 
the, I had fixed the clog from the gas tank to the carburetor, but I hadn't fixed the clog from the carburetor to whatever else, the, whatever that goes. So there's a clog that's happening. But as I ran the lawnmower, as it went for like 20 minutes, it somehow that clog had been dissipated and it was gone. And so what needed to get to the engine was getting to the engine and the clog had been, had been gone. And I think that sin is like that for us when we try to hear from God. There's a sin is the clog that's in our system and we get frustrated and angry and keep pulling on the cord and, and nothing happens. And we, we keep yelling and we look for something in the engine that's the problem. But ultimately, the problem is sin that's in our lives. But the truth is that the, the great hope that I have for us is that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins all the time. And there is no condemnation that we have. Um, sometimes it's hard for us to hear from God because he just wants us to press in a little bit closer. Um, there was a time in my life, the spring of 1998. Um, yeah, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? Spring of 1998, I was um, trying to hear from God. I had met this girl named Jen, and we'd fallen in love, and God had, uh, I think God had told us both that we were the ones that we were supposed to marry. But stuff was not happening right in our lives. It was really hard. There was difficulty and hardship in our relationship. And at some point along that way, God began to speak also that he had something different than my life than sports and money. And there was something more important. And so I began to uh, go through this book called Experiencing God. Anybody ever heard of Experiencing God? It's from... It was really popular about this time. So spring and summer of 1998, I am every uh, three days a week, I drive to a parking lot in Bridgeton, Missouri, and sit and pray and go through this book. And I fast through that time, and I, and I ask God to speak to me. And um, what I wound up happening was I had been, I realized that I had been several of these things. Why am I not hearing from God? One, because I'm afraid of what he's going to say to me. And two, because I had shame and condemnation in my life. And three, because I knew what he wanted to say to me. I just didn't want to hear it. Um, And so I spent uh, probably four or five months, three days a week, fasting, praying, and studying scripture. And I found the book, uh, this 20-year-old book that that I, I went through and read through some of my notes this week. And one of the things that I wrote at the very beginning as I was trying to find out if Jen was the one and if God had called me into some sort of ministry occupation stuff, um, this is what I wrote and, and came, came from that prayer. Uh, love God and become intimate with him. Relax and let God take the initiative. Love, obey, wait, and listen. I think I want you to hear, and I think, I don't, that's not true. I'd, I want you to hear, yeah, but I think what God wants you to hear, wants every one of us this morning to hear, is that. Love, obey, wait, listen. Love, obey, wait, listen. I think that one of the most, the, the most asked question I, I've gotten in, in my life as a, as a man and as a pastor is, is what is God's, how do I hear from God? 
And I think it's there. Love, obey, wait, and listen. Um, lean in here, because I, I think this is, this is huge for us. The, the, the creator of the universe, a holy and perfect God, who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that you could have a relationship with him, that being, that person, wants to speak to you. And we get distracted with lots of different things. We think that there's something better. We ignore God because we know what he wants to say to us. Or we ignore God because we don't want to do what he has to say to us. We ignore God for lots of reasons. You ignore God for lots of reasons. But the fact is that God is speaking to you. Wait and listen. So I have four things for us that help us to... Um, to hear from God. One is to live in community. Um, God has created the church so that his voice could be heard from within the church. God has created this particular church, and God has has created churches all over the world, and God has created the organism called the church, and one of the biggest reasons that he's created the church was for people in that church to hear from him. Um, I get frustrated a lot of times, um, because of stagnation that I sense, stagnation that I feel, and I, in our particular little thing called North Church, I get frustrated because we don't hear from God and we just kind of do the same things and we go through the motions and whatever. I, I want us to stop going through motions and I want us to stop and try to hear from God. God wants to speak to you and he's brought you to this time and this place with these people to speak this message to you, and he wants to say to you. He wants to speak to you. And our role in that, and in our story in Zechariah, God made Zechariah mute for a season so that he could just stop and hear from God. I'm praying that God would make us mute in some capacity, in some way, so that we might concentrate, we might stop, obey, wait, and listen. God wants to speak to you. And he wants to speak truth to you. Throughout scripture, there's an overwhelming command not to be deceived. The best weapon that you have to not be deceived is the community that you live in. The community that that a church can bring to you. You have one enemy and his name is Satan and he has one weapon and that's to get you to believe something that's not true. Living in community is is a combating weapon for that. The second piece, to hear from God, and these are going to get increasingly more important. Um, the second thing that you have, opportunity that you have to hear from God is to just simply pray. And when I say this to people who've come to me to say, how do I hear from God? I say one of the steps is to pray. The question is, I don't know how to do that. Help me know if one of the ways to hear from God is to pray, and you don't know how to pray, what's, what good is it, is, to, is it to pray? The good news is you don't need to know how to pray. Romans eight twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Do you hear that? Weakness is a magnetic drawing force that brings God to you. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness and creates a magnetic drawing force for the Spirit. 
for we do not know what we for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. So one of the things to get you to be able to hear from God is to pray. Wait a second, I don't know how to pray. Well, nobody knows how to pray. This is Paul, the greatest theologian of all time, saying to a a group of people who are really smart, you don't know how to pray, neither do I. But I have good news. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Intercedes is a compound word that means first, on behalf of another, and second, to meet with a a person for the purpose of conversation. So part one, on behalf of another. Part two, to meet with a person for the purpose of conversation. The Holy Spirit, drawn by your weakness hears what you have to say and takes that to God on your behalf and has a conversation with him. So when you pray, what's actually happening, the spiritual act that's happening is is the Holy Spirit is deciphering those things and saying them to God on your behalf. So what if you don't know how to pray? Just pray. Isn't that encouraging? Good news? Verse 27, he who searches the hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes, there's our word again, for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit has a conversation on your behalf with God according to the will of God. This whole hearing of God is, is the same thing, the will of God, that's sort of interchangeable parts. Verse 28, and we know that those who love God... All things work together for those who are called according to his purpose. So God is, is, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us and is creating this redemption plan for your, your prayer. But more than that, creating this redemption plan, like you screw it up, God fixes it. You screw it up, God fixes it. You screw up the prayers, God fixes it. You screw up your life, God fixes it. That's what this whole prayer thing is about. The third piece is to sacrifice, to be holy, and be transformed. Um, There's a nuance to this from Romans 12. Um, Let me read verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's sacrifice. That means to to lay down your life for the benefit of another, to lay down your life. One of the things I say, and I've, I've talked to a, a bunch of you here about marriage and marriage counseling, and, and we're about to, to do that with you guys. And, and I've talked with, with Travis and Ben and, and people that aren't here. And this, one of the, the biggest calls of our lives is to set for, as, as a husband, is to sacrifice for your wife, to lay down your life. But, but there's a bigger call than that, a grander call than that. And a beautiful way, a perfect way to begin to hear from God is to lay down your life. Like not my desires, but someone else's. To lay down your life, to sacrifice at the core, foundationally. For if you really want to hear what God has to say to you, and he's speaking sacrifice. The second place, holy and acceptable to God. Holy, set apart. 
sin-free. And this is hard, and this is a a difficult thing for for me to say in this context, because we're talking gospel here all the time. What does it mean to be holy? It means set apart. It means stop sinning. It means repenting of the sins that are in your life, and get in community to do that. Pray to do that. All these things, God is calling us to sacrifice and be holy. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. And this one is really, really hard. If you really want to hear from God, do not be conformed by this world. This world will tell you what to suffer for. This world will tell you what to sacrifice for. This world will tell you what to idolize. This world will tell you what's valuable and what's not valuable. And a command to hear from God is to not be conformed to that. Stop and consider what it is this last week that you sacrificed to get. Seriously, stop and think about that. What are the things that you sacrificed to get? It's that thing that's causing you to conform your will to its will. And what God is saying to us through his messenger Paul in Romans 12, 2, is don't be conformed to this world. Don't let this world tell you what to sacrifice for. If you want to hear from God, don't let this world tell you what to sacrifice for. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I heard a story one time, a seminary president was speaking to a bunch of seminary grads and they were he was saying you're going to be confused on what to do with your life should i take this job should i take that job should i leave this church and go to that church what should i do with my life and he talked about this verse and he said this he was on a riding sabbatical in the woods about an hour away from the church that he pastored so he took a couple of months off to go out in the woods to write um, to vision for the church and to write a book. And his wife was the, was the choir director at the church. So she would spend her, whole, her, her time in the, in the woods in the cabin with him for those two months. But on Wednesdays and Sundays, she'd drive back in. There's one Sunday in particular where it started to snow, and she was trying to figure out whether or not, whether she should find someone to stay the night with or try to drive out to the cabin in the snow. So she drives out there, and it wasn't supposed to be bad, so she gets to the edge of the highway, and now she's on a rural highway that's kind of not really gravel, but, but not really a road either, and, and by this time, the snow was really strong. And she called on her cell phone to the, the landline in the cabin and said, should I try to make this mile drive down this old road? And the, and the guy said... There's a fence on the left side of the road, and there's a fence on, a, on the right side of the road. And, I, and if you can't see the road in the middle because it snows too much, just keep the car equidistant from each fence. Right? You follow that? So if I'm 10 feet from that fence and 10 feet from that fence, I'm on the road, and I'll be fine. And I'll make it. And so she did, and she made it. And this is the heart of, of what she was saying, or he was saying to her, is the heart of, of Romans 12 too. Keep the car. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. Keep the car equidistant from the fences and you'll stay on the road. This is God speaking to you. Um, the last piece. 
the last way to help us to hear from God, and the best way, the most trustworthy way, is to hear his voice through his scripture. The Bible is the word of God that reveals the nature and character of God to our hearts in the human condition. It's real, it's relevant, it's purposeful for you right here and now. Um, There's some stuff that's in your bulletin. Um, I've done a lot of study and angst and praying, and I want to read some stuff to you as we end our time today and seeking to hear from God. I'm convinced that each of us need to hear in some capacity, maybe it's a little bit for some of you, maybe it's a lot for some of you. I'm convinced that each of us need to hear what I'm about to read to you right now. Um, I don't mean to like overstate, but I, I, I would rather overstate than understate the importance of what's about to, what we're about to hear. Um, can I pray for us again? Uh, God, give us ears to hear. Um, God, give us ears to hear. Lord, you are, you want to speak to us and you have spoken to us, revealing your character and your nature to us. God, convince us that your word is enough for us to hear what it is that you have to say to us. Free us from distraction now, Lord, and give us ears to hear. Thank you for Jesus in his name. Amen. So there are a few of these things. I don't know if we got them all in a bulletin or not, but what I'm going to read to you, a little bit of it at least, is in your bulletin because I want us to to take and go away with this. Um, In Psalm 46, trouble surrounds the author of Psalm 46, and God is communicating that he is your refuge and strength. He is a very present help. He provides and he makes you glad. He says, be still and know that I am God. These are the things that God is speaking to his world all the time. In Psalm 130, the writer is lamenting his life and where he is and God is communicating to you. God is speaking to you through Psalm 130, saying, He does not mark your sin. He offers complete forgiveness. He asks you to wait and to hope. He's telling you that He's full of steadfast love and plentiful redemption. In Lamentations, the author says that God has made my flesh waste away. The author says that God has made me dwell in darkness. The author says that God has walled me in. The author says that God is a bear lying in wait, waiting to destroy me. The author in Lamentation says that he has made me desolate, that God has filled me with bitterness, that God has made my teeth grind on gravel. God wants to speak to you through his word and say all of those things to you. And in the middle of that, he still fills you with mercies. They're new every morning and he is faithful to restore your hope 
And he calls you simply to wait for him to act. God has communicated his character to you. In Psalm 34, he answers those who seek him. In Psalm 35, he promises to contend with those who contend with his. In Psalm 36, he promises steadfast love that extends beyond the heavens. And he promises faithfulness that extends beyond the clouds. And he says that his righteousness is like a mountain, firm and steady and strong. In Psalm 37, he says that the evil will wither like grass and tells us to wait patiently for him. And as we wait patiently for him, to take our delight in him. In Psalm 38, he tells you that he's present when there's no health in our bones because of our sin. In Psalm 38, he tells us that he is present when our strength fades. In Psalm 38, he says that he's present when we're ready to fall. He says he's present when we're ready to fail. And then he promises to never forsake you. Many times in Scripture, he says, wait for him. Many times he says that I am your help. Many times he tells us that he loves us. Many times, more than any other thing he tells us, he says, don't be afraid. Many times he tells us not to be ashamed. In John 10, he says, I am your good shepherd. I laid down my life for you. In John 17, he literally prays for you. In Romans 8, he says that the Holy Spirit is always and constantly praying for you. In John 3, in Ephesians 1, in 1 Corinthians 12, in Romans 3, 5, 7, 8, and 10, he says that you are his child, and that means forever, and your future and your hope are eternally secure. God is telling you over and over and over again not to be condemned and not to feel shame. God is speaking to you. All of those ways, lots and lots of chapters throughout Scripture, God is saying you're his child forever, and that means your hope and your future is eternally secure. Over and over again, he's saying don't be ashamed. Don't feel condemnation. In Hebrews, he promises again, just like he did in the Psalms, to never leave you or forsake you. God is saying that to you this morning. I will never leave you or forsake you, but the most profound thing that God ever did was be silent. In Isaiah 53, Jesus was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth, and he was silent before the very people that would and were torturing him. Before the high priest who had the power and authority and desire to kill him, he was silent. Before Pilate, who was the one who gave his consent to kill him, he was silent. Before those who beat him with stones and tore his flesh with glass and whips and stone, he was silent. And he was silent so that God would never be silent. In Jesus' silence, he was speaking love and provision until the last words that he spoke when he said, it's finished. On the cross, 
the last thing that Jesus said was, it is finished. John 19 says, Jesus said, it is finished, and then he gave up his spirit, willingly died. The best words that God has ever spoken, it is finished. You don't need to try to do anything. You don't need to try to earn anything. You don't need to be good, be right, be anything other than patient and wait. Because it's finished. Your religion is no value to you. Your morality is of no value to you. There's nothing that's of any value to you to hear from God other than the work that Christ has done. And he was silent and then he spoke saying it's finished. This is your God. Waiting to be wanted, waiting to be heard. Let's just sit and listen. God, thank you for today. Thank you that you are a God that listens. Thank you that you are a God that speaks. Father, I pray now that some that are in this place and some that will hear this, Father, that you would speak to us. And God, would, would you allow us to just relax and listen? And then as you speak, Father, would you give us the courage to obey, the courage to do as you've called us to, Father? Lord, your promises are true that when we hear your voice and we react, you are so good to us. God, my life is full of of experiential knowledge of that. And my brain is full with with seeing and and hearing and reading your promises in Scripture, Father. Lord, I pray that you would give us all ears to hear what you have to say to us, Father, and then give us the courage and insight and whatever is necessary, the motivation to, to listen and then do, God. God, we were created for this. God, I pray for the voices that compete with yours. I pray that you would silence them. The external and the internal voices that that compete with yours, silence them, Father, that we might hear you speak plainly, Father, and boldly to us. God, convince us of the truth that if we're not hearing you speak, you're calling us to press in a little bit closer and hear you. God, I, I thank you for for the beautiful, sweet message that Ben brought to us during the call to worship, Father, to, to just simply trust, as, as sweet Kingsley trusted, that you have us, you're protecting us, you're guiding us, Father, and, and you're speaking even to a, a little girl with ears to hear. God, please give us ears to hear you. God, give me ears to hear you. Give us ears to hear you. Thank you so much for the life of Jesus Christ and the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that allows us to be in your presence.
thank you for Christ. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.